Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Well, hello, listeners. Today is March 17th, 2016. We have a very informative show for you today, and everybody is going to learn how to better manage um, the healthcare system, and particularly if you're an advocate for someone. It has changed dramatically within the past five years, and in order for somebody to even get out of the hospital, this <laughs> is a major accomplishment. Uh, we're going to be talking with um, E.B. Andrew. And she's the author of a book called If You Have Gray Hair, Beware. There's tips and tools and tricks that you'll need to know um, relative to the health care system. Her background is in the uh, healthcare industry as a licensed physical therapist assistant. And she did this for over 20 years. So EB has seen a lot a lot of things going on out there. She promotes self-advocacy, can't talk today, and she wants to help loved ones that are in medical crisis through this information. She's worked in the hospitals, nursing homes, outpatient clinics, and in home health care. So let's bring her on to our show now. Is it E.B. or or Ebby? It's E.B., Okay. E.B. Andrew, yeah. All right. So here she is in the flesh. Hi. Yeah. (laughs) I like to start the show out by asking my guest, how did you get on the path that you're on today? Well, um, that's actually kind of funny. Uh, This is my second career. Um, Our physical therapy was my second career. Um, I started out as a uh, trainer for resources and watching them walk and figuring out what was wrong with them and um, finding their pain and trying to help them through that. And I could not do that and raise a child. Horses need you seven days a week. So I started looking around and realized that what I did with horses was physical therapy. And uh, so I started doing that with people, and it was just so, it's been such a rewarding thing for me to be able to help people get through their pain, get back to what they love. It's been very rewarding. That's a great story. I love it. (laughs) Transition from from there. (laughs) Yeah, and from there, of course, you know, you see things, and I've spent years trying to help people to manage the health care that they have. And in home mm-hmm. health, my visits got longer and longer. And I realized that 
um, somebody needed to tell these people how to manage their health care. I would commiserate with my fellow therapists and say, why don't they teach people this stuff? And I realized I needed to stop complaining and do something about it, and that's where I wrote the book. How long did it take you to write it? It took... Um, and I'd go back and I'd rewrite and I'd look at it again and I'd reorganize the book and uh, by the time I got to where I felt like I had stuff really set I hired a professional editor and realized mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I had to start <laughs> so back true. from the beginning and do it's stuff so again but, and I learned so much in the process. It was very good. Yeah. No, it's um it really turned out really well. Thank you. Let's let's start talking about your book. Where would you like to start? Um I wrote the book to help people not only with their self advocacy. So in the book there's a lot of information about how to go about purchasing health care. People don't look at health care like they look at buying a car, although they probably ought to. There are many books out there that tell you how to buy a car, what to look for, you know, how much the dealer actually pays, how much you should negotiate for it. There is nothing out there for health care. And healthcare is increasingly becoming a very competitive field. The profit are unbelievable, and the profiteers have gotten into healthcare, and so now there's a whole lot of uh, competition in the advertisements that you see on television and radio and stuff for hospitals and doctors groups. Oh, they're just becoming constant, very very frequent anyway, and. People don't realize that you have to actually shop for a healthcare provider, much like you would shop for a car. You need to know what to look for. In this book, I have set up some, you know, sample questions. Um, it doesn't matter really what's most important to you, but what is the most important thing is that you know what's most important to you in a healthcare mm-hmm. provider. Mm-hmm. That's hard, yeah, and nobody's ever it, asked you. It is. Well, not only that, it, I, I think that it's very difficult to even ask yourself those questions unless you have some guidance. That's true. This gives you some samples, some places to start. And um, I have in there also forms that you can copy. They're on my website, free, download, um, print them for free. Use them if they're mm-hmm. helpful to you. I've had several people who knew what they wanted but weren't sure how to go about getting it. In this day and age of um, Internet access and information, uh, you also have to kind of be careful where you trust your information. So if you get all that information off the Internet, you have to be careful who you trust. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. take it all in, take what works for you, and throw the rest away. Now, are you are you uh, talking about shopping for health insurance? Or, yes, I, I'm not talking about an, and, and yes, physicians? providers. Yes. 
Okay. Your okay, providers, your hospital, your first. clinic, everything that does anything with your health. You need to have because a list it's of become questions. particularly it's become particularly complicated now. For instance, if you're in an HMO, do they designate what hospitals you have to go to? You do have a list of hospitals that will take your insurance. Of that list of hospitals that will take your insurance, you need to know which one you prefer. Most ah. people have no idea what the difference is. So I can go with my insurance either to, you know, this county's um, hospital. There's a there's a hospital that's even closer, although it's in another county. But my insurance will go to either one of those hospitals. How do I choose which hospital I want to go to? How do well, you? Well, you need to know what the philosophies of the hospital are. You need to know what type of um, health care information systems they have. And you have to understand what's important to you. If you're the kind of person who, for whom, you know, your diet, you don't want, you don't want to make changes in your diet. You want to go to the doctor and you want to tell them what the problem is and you want them to give you a prescription. If mm-hmm. that's what you want, then you don't want to hire a doctor who is going to care about what you eat. If you're the kind of person who believes that food is medicine and you care about the things that you put in your body, you don't want a doctor who doesn't care what you eat. It's the same thing with the hospital systems. If you're the kind of person who believes that you want everybody connected, you want them all to have your information, you want everybody on the same page, and you want to be able to see all specialists in the same system, then you need to shop for a hospital that has those things. If you're the kind of person that you want to keep all of your information private, you only want to give your information to the people that you see, you don't necessarily want them all connected, you want them all separate, then you need to shop for a system that has that. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense, but what I'm wondering is now that everything is basically uh, digital, that doesn't yes. necessarily mean that it's it's interconnected, correct? In other words, That's if correct. you're in your 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 doctor's office and they're just putting everything digitally into your file, it doesn't mean that it's going anywhere outside of the fact that it needs to be sent to the insurance carrier for payment for your appointment. Absolutely. It may not ever you, go to any other doctor or in some systems Everybody's interconnected, and so anybody who is treating you can look at that chart and see all of the entries for all of your specialists that have seen you in that system. And well, and the most important thing, of course, is what what um, prescription drugs you're taking with the possible interactions of those. That is extremely important, which is why no matter which system you choose, you should always have with you an itemized and detailed um, list of any prescription medications that you're taking, and not just prescriptions. You need to be able to have with you a list of the -the over-the-counter and the supplements, and if you take herbal Mm -hmm. supplements, those supplements, Mm -hmm. because all of our pharmaceuticals come from herbals. And so they are medicine and can interact with the pharmaceuticals that a doctor may prescribe for you. So don't forget to add all of those things onto your medication list. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, there's there's certain um, physician groups now that are actually part of hospitals. They um, they're they're set up so that I think that they're just on contract. They have they have contracts yes. with the hospital, but the hospitals don't own them. They're not allowed to own them. Yes. Now, are those becoming more and more? Yes, they are more and more. And there's a difference between the doctors who have a group that is affiliated with the hospital, but the doctors don't practice in the hospital, and the doctors that practice in the hospital. Most hospitals now are using hospitalists, which is a group of doctors that, and they may go through a contract company, so a company that provides doctors to hospitals. These doctors do not have a practice. They practice only in hospitals, and they may or may not travel. So your hospitalists may be in your local hospital for, you know, two months out of the year, three months out of the year. They may be Mm -hmm. there for six weeks and never come back. Or they may be there for 16, 18 years. And it depends upon their contract with the hospital. But they do not, hospitalists do not have any outside patients. So they only see the patients in the hospital. Does that make sense? And then on what top type, of that. What, what, what type of physicians are these? Um, they come, they're they every kind of specialties. Every type. You can have hospitalists that are specializing in cardiovascular health. You can have hospitalists that specialize in gastrointestinal. I mean, any type of specialist could be a hospitalist. So does that mean when you're hospitalized and it's recommended that you need a specialist for for a certain condition, if you happen to be in that facility where they have hospitalists, you're assigned one of those people. Yes, you are usually assigned one of those people if that hospital carries a hospitalist with that specialty. The hospital will contract with a specialist. And if the specialist is a hospitalist, it'll be a person who who does not generally carry a um, uh, practice outside the hospital. Mm-hmm. They only Correct. they only work Correct. in the hospital. If, Correct. if they are contracted with the hospital and the hospital does not have a hospitalist that is that specialty, they may also have a practice. It's getting really confusing. Um, it is very confusing. And, and so you know, even if they recommend that you get a, a specialist and Indeed, when you're in the hospital, oftentimes you're there because there is an emergent need. There's no, you know, you don't you don't yeah. end up in the hospital if there's not an emergent need. Right. During the emergent need, um, it's best to take the advice of the hospitalist or whatever specialist that they recommend that you see at the time. Once you're out of the hospital, once the emergent need has been handled, it is then up to you to shop around for another specialist. And you can keep 
a specialist that will follow you, for instance, in the hospital, so you come back to the hospital for your follow-up care, or you can seek a specialist that is not in the hospital. But remember that most hospitals that now have hospitalists, if you seek a specialist outside the hospital, they will not have hospital um, uh, right, privileges. so they don't go into the hospital. Yeah, they don't have mm-hmm. hospital privileges, right. So this has really changed from there's yes from how it, it is very different now, and you do need to shop and you do need to know that um, whatever provider you choose is going to be able to um, have the same philosophies that you have so that they will be able to meet your needs the way you want mm-hmm. them met. When you're in the mm-hmm. hospital, you often are not capable of self-advocacy. And so True. it's extremely important for you to have an advocate named far before you get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. this is part of the key part of this book is to know how to advocate for another person mm-hmm. and how to advocate for yourself, how how to inform your loved ones on what you want. A durable power of attorney. Anyone over the age of 18 should have a durable power of attorney. Someone who is appointed to make their health care decisions in the event that you are not capable of making them. If you're in Mm -hmm. the hospital, often you are either too ill or under the effects of pain medication or Mm -hmm. any number of other medications that render you incapable of really making an informed decision. What is the status of, say, Medicare, uh, people that are on Medicare, um, and if they have a supplemental plan um, relative to hospitalization? Is it a little different? Um, Not really. Not really. It still isn't, huh? Not really, no. Um, Mm -hmm. You still need to shop around, and you still need to know um, what your preferences are and to hire the people that will follow those. And you also need to have an advocate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was just thinking in cases where somebody's hospitalized and they have to have an operation. Um, if you have been seeing a specialist on the outside, you, um, prior to that, and they don't have hospital privileges, then it gets a little tricky on who's going to actually do that surgery. Well, that may be tricky, but you can always request that they will consult with your specialist, and most times they will. Remember that the people who are doing patient care get into this field because they want to help. Mm -hmm. They really do care. I have been in this field for 20 years, and almost every single one of the people that I know that actually do the hands-on care, your nurses, your aides, your techs, all of those people, they get into this field because they are born caregivers. They want Mm -hmm. to help people. And if you let it be known that you have a specialist, that's another part of the book, though. I really recommend people get a healthcare notebook. Keep all of your healthcare stuff in it. Take it with you when you go to the hospital. It will have contact information for all of your physicians, your diagnoses, all of those things in it. 
you give that to them, not to take, but to look at and say, this is my specialist. This is his contact information or her contact information. Please contact them. They know my history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's in this age of technology, even though we do have HIPAA and even though HIPAA is, we've all been hippened to death with the privacy information paperwork that you have to sign, any provider can talk to another provider that you have given permission to about your care. Mm -hmm. So if you have been seeing a specialist and you go to the hospital and you give the hospital permission to have that your outside specialist speak to them, they they can freely give any of your history, your information to the hospital and there's no problems. And they all know mm-hmm. that. And they all mm-hmm. want to make sure that you get the best care possible. True. I like how you talk about in your book how um, medical medical uh, professionals can only recommend things. Um, yes. And that, you know, most doctors their viewpoint may not necessarily be the correct one. You can always That's challenge right. that. You don't have to always. accept what they command. You can say no. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I here we go, advocate for people to practice saying no in the mirror. We are coming <laughs> out of a generation that believes that the doctor's word is law. Yes. And the way that people, that we doctor now is very different than the way that doctors doctored when I was a child or when my grandparents were children. And understanding that if something just doesn't seem right, if you get a diagnosis or a doctor recommends a series of treatment or something that just does not feel right to you, always, always, always get a second opinion. It's one Mm -hmm. thing when you go to purchase something like a car and you get this gut feeling. It's another thing when it's your life. Mm -hmm. And in the last five years, education for staff members of healthcare facilities have been geared toward the dollar. So we as healthcare providers are being instructed by the facilities that we work for to pick the treatments that will bring the most dollars. Even as long as that treatment will meet the patient's needs. So if you have two treatments, one is more appropriate, the other one's not quite as appropriate, but they'll both do the same thing. But the not quite mm-hmm. as appropriate one will bring a higher dollar. The pressure to pick the higher dollar, the pressure for your department to bring in the profits is enormous. And you as a consumer need to know that. So anytime mm-hmm. you have any questions, don't hesitate to get a second opinion. Don't hesitate to get a third opinion. At the same time, know that serious diagnoses have a time issue. Medicare will not cover a second or third opinion if it is not an elective surgery. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that interesting? 
Well, you know, if if we start talking about you know things such as cancer, are they prescribing chemotherapy drugs that they believe might do the same thing, but if one's more expensive than the other, they'll use it? You know, I don't know. That's not my specialty. However, I yeah. do know that the pressure on all of us. The pressure on all, to, on, all on everybody is is tremendous all to bring of, in the money. Yes, all the healthcare workers, <laughs> the, are, the pressure on us. And for every department, mm-hmm. that will be a little different. So for physical therapy, you know, ultrasound doesn't, doesn't bring much of a reimbursement, but this other treatment would do the same thing. So let's mm-hmm. do that, not mm-hmm. this. They, that's mm-hmm. there's huge pressure on us for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can see that happening. Um, it was interesting also in your book where you talk about if you are hospitalized and you want to go home. In other words, you've been cleared to go home um, medically. But perhaps someone there says, no, you can't go home. You have to go to a rehab center or somewhere else. Yet you right. have the relatives or the parents that will be that are very willing to take care of you, then it still is your choice. They can't force you to go. Some people think, oh, no. I have to go. They, But you don't have to go. No, you don't. And... Unfortunately, there's some disagreement amongst physicians. I have had physicians say to me, I don't want them to go home with home health. They'll lay in the bed waiting for the the therapist to get there. I want them to go to a rehab center where they're going to get therapy twice a day. Well, yeah, you'll get therapy twice a day at a rehab center, but you're not allowed to get out of the bed without assistance because of the fall risk and and we are a litigious society, so litigation Mm -hmm, is an mm -hmm. issue. If you go home, you have to get up to go to the bathroom. You have to get up to get your meals. You have to get up to get water. Mm -hmm. You you have to do a lot more. So there is some difference of opinion there. If you Mm -hmm. have people who are willing to give you care, you can go home. You never have to take the recommendation that you go to a rehab center. That's really important. You may wish to, but that's up to your your ability. Yes, that is completely Mm -hmm. your choice. Yes. And Mm -hmm. all treatment, as a matter of fact, is your choice. You are hiring people whose business it is to make the best recommendation for you. If their philosophies are the same as yours, they should be recommending things that will fit with your philosophies. If you have not done mm-hmm. your homework or you don't know what the philosophies are, you may wish to get a second opinion with a physician whose philosophies are more in alignment to yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anytime Definitely. we are talking about a very serious diagnosis, you're going to want a second opinion, always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even a third. Yeah, that's right, even a third. It's definitely to your benefit to do it. It might be a hassle, but the outcome it, may be And it better. may be costly, but think of the cost if you don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, some of the alternatives aren't the greatest, are they? <laughs> That's right. The other thing is to remember that 
your health care providers, especially if you've done your homework and you know that their philosophies are in line with yours, you can't shoot the messenger. Even if they <laughs> give you news that you don't want to hear, at least mm-hmm. they're giving it to you. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you also talk about um, alternative and complementary medicine. What do you have to say yes. about that? Um, the, there's a huge trend now for us to be moving more towards alternative and complementary medicine. Our our hospitals are starting to add healing touch and massage, and we're learning the benefits of all of these complementary medicines. I strongly believe in complementary medicines, and it doesn't matter whether you do or not. If you do, you want to make sure that your traditional medicine hospitals and physicians are going to work in conjunction with your complementary medicine practitioners. And if you don't, then that's fine. But a lot of hospitals are now offering these things, and if that's something that's important to you, that's one of the things you want to look for when you're shopping for the network that you're going to choose to use. Good point. Really good point. If they offer the services, then they're more likely to work hand-in-hand with the people that you've already hired to do your complementary medicine. Yeah, I'm. Um, we're located in California, and you know UCLA is a huge medical center. They, yes. I'd say, within the past couple of years, they now have what they call an East Western Medicine Clinic. And um, I know people that that are referred over there um, quite often for acupuncture and for. Um, physical therapy. I mean, it's it's really interesting what they're doing. Yes, and we often Nutrition in too. this country talk about um, peer-reviewed and repeatedly demonstrable research. Um, I often laugh about the fact that acupuncture has 2,000 years of that. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so there's something to it. Chinese mm-hmm. medicine has 2000 years. There there are things that are that are out there that can be very effective that we in this country haven't necessarily looked at before but are now becoming much more mainstream. And the people who use alternative and complementary medicine and the people who use um, traditional western medicines in this country, traditional for this country, are working together more and more. Mhm. Mhm. And it's to keep costs down, I assume. I don't think so. No? I don't think so. Health no, the insurance companies don't generally pay uh very much for complementary and alternative medicines. However, I think that the reason is that the people see the difference in their health. They see that it is working for them. And although the insurance companies are not paying for it, they don't pay mm-hmm. very well at all for any alternative or complementary medicine. And even if they do pay, they pay very minimally. Mm-hmm. So they'll pay for five naturopath treatments in a year. Okay. Um, you see, it's mm-hmm. that's minimal. 
especially for anybody who has any kind of a chronic um, problem that they are managing. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, that's, I think it's being driven by the people, not by... Not by the providers necessarily. No. The providers, I don't think, find a whole lot of profit in it. But the people are finding Mm -hmm. the benefit to their health, and so it's driving it. The providers, the healthcare providers, the hands-on providers are seeing a huge difference in their patients, and they are also driving this. The administration and the profiteers in healthcare, the people who are making the billions every year, and I do mean billions with a B, mm-hmm. um, they're not looking at alternative and complementary health care with a favorable eye. It is, I don't think they feel that this is very profitable. Hmm. I would think, though, that the large corporations that um, have insurance plans for their employees, that's probably a pretty big driving force right there to have preventative programs for so. the employees. At this to point, keep their what I have down. seen... Well, what I have seen at this point, the preventative programs that they have are mm-hmm. about um, we will give you a percentage off if you join a gym. We will mm-hmm. give you so much for following, for instance, if you have asthma, we'll give you a credit on your premium if you enroll in this asthma health class. And they all teach pretty much the same thing, traditional pharmaceutical medicine. Mm. I'm not seeing a whole lot of, I have never seen, as a matter of fact, a corporation that was so progressive and wanted to take care of the health of their employees so well that they offered massage. If they do, it's 15 minutes on a break in a chair. It's not uh, massage therapy. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. it's not the kind of massage that is going to generate health in the person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alternative and complementary medicine is a lot more than massage, you know, and true. Most most places if they offer that, they pay for the the massage therapist to come in and you can take a 15 minute break and go sit in a chair and get a massage. And <laughs> I'm not saying that there isn't any benefit to that, but mm-hmm. what I Maybe am saying stress. is yeah, that which is a huge driver of a lot of the illness in our country. We know that stress drives blood pressure and weight gain and uh, diabetes, and I mean we know all those things. So oh, yeah, uh, stress, stress, stress reduction is program is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Yeah. As much information as I can get to people so that they can make conscious decisions and have the tools to hold the providers accountable and Mm -hmm. themselves accountable to the provider so they're giving accurate information to the provider so the provider can actually help them. That's the information that I have tried to put in this book. You can, this book will help people to shop for and hire good healthcare professional staff that will have their philosophies 
and they will mm-hmm. be they will feel an active participant in their health care. So listeners, if you've just joined us, we're talking with E. B. Andrew. She's the author of the book If You Have Gray Hair, Beware. She also calls it My Healthcare Notebook. And um I was thinking we should probably talk about why should people protect their health? Why? Well, as a society drives everything from our economics to, oh, everything, your health as an individual drives the happiness of your life. Mm-hmm. If That's you're not true. feeling good, Nothing feels good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taking an active participation in your health instead of um, just going to see the doctor when something's wrong and then mm-hmm. expecting a pill to fix it, that is not a good way to manage your health. Managing your health is often like managing your finances. You hire a financial advisor that advises you on how to um, manage your finances so you can meet your financial goals, <laughs> but they're not mm-hmm. responsible for what your finances are. It's the same thing with your healthcare professional. They advise you how to manage your health. They give you recommendations, but they're not responsible for your health. You are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. We don't think about the fact that we live in our in our own home. You know, our bodies are our vessel. Starts yeah. breaking down, you're going to have issues. You're not going to be able to get around like you normally get around. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot better and, to do um, the preventative care. Mhm. And I always say, you know, your your warranty's up around 50 years old because <laughs> that's when that's when things start going. <laughs> so it's a good time to go in and have your your annual checkups for sure. You know, have your blood work done. Um, the blood it will tell going on. Yeah, monitor um, your health. You're the one who's in charge mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should mm-hmm. you should be monitoring all that stuff. You should care as much as your doctor what your results are, and it's your doctor's mm-hmm. job to explain those to you. And when you go in to see your doctor nowadays, you have even less time with them. You know, before yeah. you had perhaps the full 15 minutes. Now they're so busy inputting things into the into the laptops that they can't really concentrate on what it is you have to say until they're finished. And before you yeah, know one it, of the, you're, yeah, you're, one of the you're down from 15 minutes to book. who knows what. Yes. Now, one of the tools I have in my book is the cop is the list. Between doctor's visits, make a list. Make a list of all the questions that you have. Um, keep your health diary so that you can accurately report to your healthcare provider what is happening with your health. But when you go in to see your doctor, have your list of questions, have two of them. And mm-hmm. when the doctor walks in the door, hand them a list and say, I brought this for you. Absolutely. Your doctor will be thrilled because there it is, all concise. He can, he can or she can look down the list. 
She can read every single one of them, figure out in her own head which ones are related, talk to you, ask questions that they want, and answer each one of your questions. Tick, 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 tick. Takes less time, less effort, and they're not trying to drag the information out of you. You aren't trying to remember everything, and five minutes after you leave the doctor's office, which used to always happen to me before I did this, I would be like, oh, wow, I forgot to mention Mm-hmm. Well, that mm-hmm. little thing that you forgot to mention could be a piece of information to your doctor, but you don't know that. Yes. It's particularly important if you're having symptoms that you write them down because you may forget about them the next week. Exactly. Those are also, and when they happen. Those are also important. Mm-hmm. Those are yeah. also very important to talk to the doctor about. You know, it, it could be related to, to your medications or it might just be something completely new. But we do know that if you have a pain somewhere that's unusual, most likely that needs to be addressed by a, physici- a physician. And granted, you and I are not physicians, and we recommend that everybody go to their own, of their own choice. It, it's important to get it checked out, not to Absolutely. just let it nag. And nag and nag yes. and nag. Keep thinking, oh, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. And you know, week after week after week. Yeah, no, remember, you are your health care manager. Mm-hmm. Really not such a great idea. Well, why don't you tell our listeners where they can buy your book? Um, it's very important that they have this so that they can, they can uh, manage their health. You can get this book at Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how about your website? Tell everybody about your website. My website is grayhairaware.com or evandrew.com. You can go to either one of those. My website has templates for all of the stuff for the My Healthcare Notebook, which is the your healthcare management tool that allows you to um, manage everything and keep your healthcare providers accountable and yourself accountable to report to your healthcare providers anything that's important. It has all the templates on my website, free. Download them, print them, use them, alter them, whatever it is that helps you to manage your healthcare. Um, I continue to put up different uh, variations of those templates as people tell me, hey, E.B., I'd really like to see something like this. And so I'll try to add that. There's um, contact information on my website if you have any suggestions or want to see a template for a certain type of thing, let me know. I'm happy to make one up for you and put it up there for you to print. Well, I don't think we could ask for anything more from you. You've well, done a you. you know a really great great job on your book, E. B. Andrew. If you have gray hair, beware. Thanks so much for being our guest. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. It really has. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, listeners, that wraps up our show for today. If you want to be an advocate for someone, and you might as well get started now. Start looking into your health plans, their health plans, what, what hospitals are in your general vicinity, and what practitioners would be good to use. Please join us again next Thursday 
4 p.m. for another great and informative show. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? The entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise and her guest. It's not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional for medical advice. We're strictly sharing knowledge and information. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration.